Hello, you're listening to the Women of Awe Action, Wisdom, and Excellence podcast. I'm your host, Adrienne Dillard. The Women of Awe podcast is a podcast that celebrates the everyday woman who in her everyday activities has exhibited action when needed, wisdom as required, and excellence as a routine to make life better for herself, her family, and or her community. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. Friends, let's welcome our first guest, who is Mary Ann Korb, or as I like to call her, Breeze. I've known Breeze for a few years. I don't really even know how long I've known you. How long has it been? I've lived here six years, so probably about five. About five, five years? years. I've known you about five years. I think she's pretty awesome, and I think you will get to know just a little bit of her awesomeness in the next half an hour or so. Breeze, welcome. I'm sorry, Mary Ann Korb. Welcome to the podcast, Women of Action, Wisdom, and Excellence. Nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to speak with you and and see what I can be helpful with today. I'm sure you can be helpful with a lot. Let's get started. Tell us a little bit about what it is you do. So currently, I am a psychotherapist. And I see um, adults, I've chosen to work with the adult population. Um, And so mostly I work with grief and trauma, unresolved trauma, unprocessed grief, and how that impacts people today. So I'm an individual counselor. People come in and I speak with them for about 45 minutes to an hour um, as they need. And we work on some skills and things, but also we work on processing that information and how that old story is impacting our life today. Um, And I'm also starting some grief groups, which are lovely because sometimes I believe that we have to heal through connection. And so when, when individual therapy is going well, but I just need that little bit of, you know, extra support. um, It's really nice to be with other people who are grieving at the same time and we can kind of balance and and hold things together um, without that burden being so heavy on one person. I know that you had mentioned to me that you were going to start a special group that's for COVID related grief. Is that correct? I am. So I'm at my first group is a uh, group specifically for people who've lost a loved one this year. I do think that losing someone during the COVID, excuse me, has really impacted our grief process. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see that manifest now. I'm also going to have a group of just the grief of expectations, the loss of expectations during COVID, we're really starting to see how much when I expect something to happen and it doesn't, but it happened for everyone else, right? So say a high schooler who didn't have their graduation, a high schooler grieving, so is their family. Mm -hmm. And yet it was really just an expected something out in our future that everyone else had. I expected to have it, that loss we're seeing a lot of emotions about it. And, you know, some people are judging that and that doesn't help a person who's grieving to be judged, right? Well, you need to get over it, just move on. But we also, we can't do that in a healthy way. We need to be able to grieve that loss of expectations. And look, it might not just be high school. There's a lot of things people are losing, right? Connection with people, all of the various losses of expectations. And so that'll be a really helpful group to work with others as well. Yeah, I was just thinking, I hadn't really thought about the high school graduations as grieving, but it is, it's a loss. 
Right. And you know, there's not a hierarchy in grief either. Yes. Losing a loved one who's close to you. I mean, obviously that is an extreme loss and we're not going to try to compare that. That's why I have the group separate. Right. Right. The loss of human life differently than other losses. But when it comes to those other losses, all of those expectations, there's really no hierarchy. And so oftentimes we, we just push through because we don't think anyone will understand mm-hmm. or care. Correct. If we don't process that grief, it stays in the body and the body at some point will um, present itself in, in, in painful ways. And it might just be that the next grief collects to that and the next grief collects to that. And I have all of this collective grief and now I'm a really angry person and I don't know why. I just know that I'm angry often. My first order of reactivity to someone is that anger. anger. Oh, that is really good. And then also what you were saying, the loss during COVID, you can't connect with anyone. There's no one to hug. You don't get any of that. No, we have all collectively lost so much and are grieving regardless of your side of the coin on different issues or things. The reason that we're all so invested in our side of that coin in part is due to the fact that we can't collectively be out there working together. So we kind of, we retreat to our side, you know? And so we have this fear and we have this unprocessed grief and they're just battling each other right now. So it's not, yeah, that together we heal. That's what I say all of the time. We heal together, together we heal. And if I can't be with others, to not only have them hold some of mine, but for me to hold some of theirs, I need to be helpful too. Yes, yes. I'm not having something that feels super heavy. I don't know how to not be helpful. And I want to be that person for others. Right. That This is awesome. I think really lonely, right? I'm not sure your group is going to be big enough. That's one of the reasons I haven't started it yet is because I didn't want to do it online. I want to be in person because right. I that's really an important aspect of this. So it has to be small because the, mm-hmm. the space I have provided is only, you know, for COVID safety. And sure, we got to start somewhere and we have to start now. Oh, wow. That's all. I'm, I think that's fantastic. I'm so glad you're doing this. I can't wait for it to get started. I know people need it now. And I'm thinking about graduations and weddings, you know, just sweet 16 parties, you know, things like that, that people look forward to. It yes. was a big point in their lives that they couldn't celebrate. And it's once good. again, I think we're yeah, another year of it, you know, it's two years of this. Yes. And people one of the missing. things that happens post-trauma and, you know, again, I don't want to hierarchy trauma, but some of this can be traumatic for certain individuals, right? Especially if there's other things going on in their life, Mm -hmm. but I can't go back. I can't go back to my, I only had a 16th birthday once. You can try to remake that for my 17th birthday, you know, but there's always going to be that little bit of loss. And so there's two kind of aspects that help people. One is resilience and one is efficacy. And as clinicians, if we see those two aspects in a person, then we know that they're going to be on a road to better mental health. Mm -hmm. And if we see a deficiency in one of those two aspects, that's where we need to begin. So Mm -hmm. efficacy is I believe in myself. I, I don't know the way, but I'll figure it out. Right. And resilience is I just keep getting up. I, you know, things keep knocking me down, but I keep getting up. And we're seeing that a lot in, in various groups of people. It's, 
somewhat easier to see in others, but we have to go back inward. Where is my resilience? Where is my efficacy? Because if I don't believe that I can, and I don't have experience getting back up, losing my 16th birthday, and I know that's just the example we're using right now, can actually be really, really difficult for me to manage. Yes. Uh, oh my. What? suppose they have no one, what do they do? I mean, suppose someone's listening to this right now, what can they do? Sure, well, you know, go onto psychologytoday.com. That's where my information is, but also just you can, you know, put in your, your town and look for a clinician, a therapist that is right for you, somebody to help you with that if you truly have no one. Wow. Oftentimes though, people do have others. They just don't wanna be a burden because we think our own problem isn't as big as their problem. Right. And really, like I said earlier, other people want to be helpful. We, we heal through mm -hmm. helping with others. And so oftentimes we do have that person. We just aren't confident that we can go to them. Right. So I might just challenge people to try, you know, okay. try to, <clears throat> excuse me, try to go to someone and say, hey, I wondered if you would help me process this and talk this through. What do you think I should do about this? Um, and remember, grief is not linear. So it also might be helpful to your li listeners to understand what they're going through in that process of grief. We have the initial shock, which we keep having because COVID's finish line keeps moving. There's no resolution. So we have that initial shock, but then it keeps coming up. And then we have, you know, denial and anger and sadness and all of those things mixed in right bartering is a stage or bargaining mm -hmm. and that's the well if if this person just wouldn't do that then i would feel okay pointing fingers because really it feels like if you would just stop doing x then i wouldn't hurt so bad sure and look we can see that in grief with the loss of people you know if they had just caught the cancer earlier right then my loved one might still be here. Right. Yes. So that's part of bartering because we actually need to go through that process. Our body needs to experience all of those thoughts and hmm. move through those. We can't just say, well, but it didn't happen. So just forget about it. Okay. That's avoidance. And that's sometimes can be healthy in little small doses <laughs> because we need to compartmentalize right time and place. Yes. But overall we can't avoid and then we finally get to this place of acceptance. Acceptance does not mean being okay with the loss. Mm -hmm. Acceptance means I accept that this is what it is. Right. And I accept that I'm not, I'm not happy about it or you know, all the feelings that go along with it. And I can accept that this is now where I'm at. And then David Kessler kind of adds a, a sixth step, which is you know, giving meaning. And there's a lot of controversy about that because some people are like, well, there is no meaning and maybe there isn't, right? So that's not a step that has to kind of happen. But think about when somebody loses a loved one and then they start a foundation, they create meaning out of it. <clears throat> and that's, that's really true. And perhaps the meaning is that it has no meaning for you. Exactly, that is exactly <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Because we do live in a world of all or nothing. You're either on this side or that side. You have to choose all the time. I mean, we are such a team-based, you know, 
culture. Yes, we and are. So all or nothing. And we really do have to remember that more than one thing can be true at the same time, including opposites. Right. We do need to recognize that. I'm not, we're not there yet. Yeah. Wow. This is, this is really powerful stuff you're giving me here. Let's say there's someone who wants to become, now what is, what is it that you are again? How would you just, find yourself so we call ourselves psychotherapists now because if you say therapist that could be a physical therapist that could be there's so many different types of therapy now right right Uh, occupational therapy different things so psychotherapist so psychology based therapist okay and of course that is even within that there's different venues you can have a phd you could be a um you could be a social worker you could be a licensed clinical mental health practitioner but the, a counselor these days, a therapist is a psychotherapist. Okay, so you would be what we would have considered a counselor, yeah. but now we're calling them psychotherapists? There you go, there you go. Okay, <laughs> okay. Can you identify, I don't know, maybe two people who might have influenced you in your life? Regarding counseling? You know what? Wherever you want to take this. Right, so... You know, I consider my, again, that all or nothing, keeping that in mind, I consider myself continuing to be in a process, right? I'm not really anywhere. I'm not where I want to be because I'm just still processing. Uh, But most recently, I was gifted a book uh, called Bear Heart, uh, The Wind is My Mother. And I'm getting more and more in touch with my own native roots. Uh, The story has been lost through our history. And part of that is because once America was created, they wanted us to, you know, lose that. We, we kind of, the families just were told to move forward and, yes. and assimilate. And so this story of Bearheart really helped me discern for my personal life and also for my practice, this idea of being able to be a spiritual person without choosing a side. Um, I did not grow up in a church. I started to assimilate into church practices more so because my friends at a certain age were doing that and I wanted to fit in. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It wasn't that the, what they were saying was wrong, but it was really more for the assimilation. I just yes. didn't want to be different. And Bearheart's story goes back into kind of more of my felt sense of my truth. And that is that we are these spiritual beings Um, I can choose to learn from Buddha and Jesus Mm -hmm. and all of those that go before me, Gandhi, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., right? All of these prophets who had lessons to teach us. And this isn't about me learning their ways and incorporating them into who I am as much as me re-remembering who I am. Because I was born a whole spiritual person. And then I became part of a culture Mm -hmm. and that culture taught me some lessons that were valuable and they taught me some lessons that helped me to stay oppressed. Wow. And we have to then go back and re-remember that that culture did that because it had a need, but that isn't my need. So this book, The Wind is My Mother, really, really, um, you know, Bearheart has passed away. He was not only a Native American shaman, he was also a counselor. And um, he was also actually a Baptist minister. 
So he really did incorporate all of these things. And I thought, wait a minute, that's an option. (laughs) Because there is part of me after being part of a Christian faith for a while that felt like I was turning my back on that to explore some of these other, other prophets or other ways of learning. And so, you know, that, that would be one. And honestly, I, I had some teachers in my life and as a counselor, I even consider myself sometimes in that same genre because I don't teach people new information. I hold the space for people to help re-remember who they are. Hold a space for people to say, okay, this is like your class. You're the expert in here, not me, right? And so I've had, I could name several teachers, but there's certainly been some significant people in my life that I can look back now and point to and say, oh, now I know why that person was there at that time. Yes. I love that when you can recognize why, you know, it opens you up to so much when you are able to look back and say, yes, that's why I needed you at this point. Right. Right. It's interesting because some of the people who are really looked to as being incredible people are people who have that connection with nature. And I always say, I like to live in the woods. You know, that's where, that's where I'm most comfortable in the woods surrounded by nature. Right. You know, we have a mirror neuron in our brain and we also have empathy. And so when I experience someone else being that whole person that they're, you know, feeder in the dirt, I too get to experience a little bit vicariously them being in nature. So then I gravitate towards those people that make me feel that way. Now, again, that doesn't mean everyone has to be this hippie tree hugger, like, you know, you and I might feel. (laughs) Just being able to, I think if anything I could suggest to listeners, it would be turn off the noise stop listening to what people tell you you should or shouldn't be or you should or shouldn't do and go within noise is killing us as a culture and as a society and we keep getting dragged down that lane uh it's like that river that was a nice little current has become vast and it's like a waterfall and so that's easier said than done and that's where getting some support from family friends people that you trust to talk about it or a therapist might be helpful how do i turn the noise off but still i still have to live in this world i can't just live in the woods right that's right and I, i think that's everything in moderation you know you should have that time though where you can go and sit in the park or whatever and just have that interaction that connection with nature Absolutely. And I think so many of us live in these hustle and bustle kind of places that we don't get a chance to do that. It's just constant noise. I mean, you can't even go into your home without hearing police sirens and things like that. And talk about sensory overload. I mean, it's just, I don't think anyone should have that all the time. It is not healthy. And we know that from research that it's not healthy, that people who live in those high stress environments are more likely to have physical health problems Hmm. well how is it then that we don't see that that might impact mental health problems you know mental health is not either or i saw an article today that said one-fifth of americans have a mental health problem Hmm. and i thought no they don't a hundred percent of americans have a mental it is a continuum just like physical health 
right? And there are people that are healthier, but they're mm-hmm. also more intentional about their physical health. And we just have to pay attention to our mental health. It's not a stigma. Well, it is a stigma currently. We have to start recognizing that mental health is not an all or nothing, right? It doesn't go in. And the noises impact our physical health. We can research that. It also impacts our mental health. That's interesting. I know as a child, I lived in the city, but I never felt like I was supposed to be there. It was always too much for me. And there are kids who can't, you know, people who can't get out. That's all they have. It's overwhelming, right? We're starting to learn more and more in this culture about that mindfulness practice of, um, you know, over in Asia where there's a lot more of that mentality that like when we're talking about grief in our culture, I had someone recently who went to work the day after her mother died because she said I had to, I didn't have a choice. You know, I have a a very close friend in Japan where their culture is that you shut down. Nothing is expected of you. Um, It is, it it is almost offensive if you didn't shut down, right? Right. I'm not saying that that extreme is the right way or this is the right way, but we have to consider what, shut off the noise. What Mm -hmm. do you need? And grieve in your life for as long as you need so that you can come back and, and jump back into your life. Yes. So we're learning more about mindfulness meditation, right? We're learning more about stress-reduced mindful meditation, not just in yoga. Yoga is a movement meditation, but also in the art of sitting still. Okay. And there's some great, you know, apps. There's a Headspace, I think, has something on Netflix now. Yes. Lovely. And I, yes. you know, it's just something my family likes to use. But also... It might surprise you that during our conversation here, I've taken a few mindfulness breaths to bring me back to the room. So it doesn't have to be an either or, that I have to do this thing and be really busy, or I go meditate. Mindfulness is about being present in this moment and taking care of what you need. I am so glad that you said that. I have a student who I just, I told her that or suggested that she should work on her meditation. And I told her about Headspace as a matter of fact, because, but she said it was funny because her dad had just told her the same thing. But what she came to me with the next week was she had tried to do the meditation. She said she couldn't do it for 10 minutes. I said, 10 minutes, that's too much. Because I know just, I had only known her for a short time, but in that short time, I know how busy her mind is. 10 minutes is, it was just too long for her, but she's comparing herself to what her mom and dad can do. Yeah. So that's that noise, right? That's the yes. noise, mommy, those shoulds, you know, that judgment of why well, should be able to sit this long. The other thing that's really important, and I'm glad you mentioned that, is that if a person has trauma that is in the body, so sexual trauma, physical trauma, uh, find a trauma-informed uh, support. Because that's very different. If I, if my trauma is within my physical realm and I try to sit still and quietly for even one minute, that can be re-violating. So we don't want to ask people who, and and not everybody tells us, right? Uh, It's trauma is a person's right to either share or not to share. Okay. So we want to make sure if someone is struggling with being able to sit still in their body, that they have choices. Um, You can meditate with your eyes open. You can do movement meditation. You can take a walk. Um, It doesn't have to be still. 
meditative is when I'm washing my hands, I'm paying attention to the, the temperature of the water, the smell okay. of the soap. Um, so we really truly can meditate in so many ways. We think of it as tree huggers or monks and right. we can just incorporate it into our everyday. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. People are like, I don't have time to meditate. Right, because you're busy. Right. <laughs> yeah. So if you can stop just for that 10 seconds while you're in the middle of a, of a busy meeting, okay. you know, just take a breath. Mm -hmm. That is helpful. Yeah. So when you breathe in for a slow count of five, right? Hold that in your in your lungs for a count of one, and then you slowly release it for a count of seven. And you do that five one seven breath cycle. It's a way of rebooting the nervous system because our nervous system's whole job is to save our life. And when I can say, "Hey, we can calm down here." Yes, that makes me really nervous. That thing that's happening out there is making me really nervous. Right. But, you know, when I'm anxious, I stop breathing at the very top of my chest. The oxygen doesn't go down into my lungs, right? Okay. So it's getting these little tiny spurts of, of oxygen. So I want that to go way down into my bloodstream so it can go up to my brain, which then talks to my nervous system. Right. So we just want to breathe in for a count of five, hold it for a count of one and then out for a slow count of seven. I'm telling you, do a few breaths like that. It's better than any Xanax. Really? No side effects. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. No, no side effects. Yeah. Like, well, it'll, you'll be better for it. That's your side effect. <laughs> I recognize that that sounds simplistic, especially if we're talking with somebody with extreme PTSD or trauma. Right. This is, I'm talking about, you know, generalized. General, yes, right. Anxiety, things like that. Okay. This has just been a tremendous conversation. Oh my, you have given me so much information, so much helpful information. I think everybody's probably taking notes because I know I've been taking notes on everything that you're saying. That's, you've just been wonderful. And I knew you would be, which is why I really needed you here. And I'm so thankful that you had time to do this. You have two minutes. If you wanted to to talk about anything at all, what would it be? Oh, you don't have to fill the two minutes. I mean, you can even go over two minutes. That's fine too. You know me, I can talk. <laughs> so sit back and get your popcorn. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> I've got my hummus. Is that okay? You can <laughs> yeah. um, gosh, I could talk about anything. You know, I, I'm going to go back into that wisdom of turning off the noise. Your podcast here is about action, wisdom, and excellence. And I'll be honest, when I first read that, I thought, gosh, what is that in me? What is that? What do I expect of that? Because it almost feels too big. Um, sometimes, and, and that goes back into that all or nothing. Sometimes the right action is to not act. Sometimes the right wisdom is to listen and, and go within and not know the answer, right? Because yes. sometimes we feel anxious when we don't know the answer. Anxiety lives in the unknown. Right. So when I don't feel wise about something, maybe I feel lesser than. And that's starting to tell a story to my nervous system. Shut down. You don't know the way. Right. And that idea of excellence. Woo, that word felt really big to me. Um, because really, excellence oftentimes currently means getting validation from other people. 
that that excellence of standards or awards or being that valedictorian, right? When the world doesn't necessarily need all the valedictorians, we need compassionate people who know who they are, whatever that role is. And if I'm listening to what everyone expects me to be, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to fill that label, then I'm lost in that noise. And look, the other part of that too, is that going back to grief, we don't just grieve one thing at a time. I might be grieving that my mother's sick and my, um, my best friend uh, lost you know, mm -hmm. a child and I've got um, these expectations over here that I'm not having. So I'm angry about this. I'm bar mm -hmm. bartering about this. I'm feeling super sad about this. Mm -hmm. Whew, it's like this big, I don't feel excellent at all. Right. And that word excellence sometimes feels so big because I'm looking for validation. People say, how are you doing? I'm okay. Right. Right. I mean, you can't be okay all of the time and that's okay. Right. So my, I guess, going back in is staying true to that inner voice and not looking for validation that you think that's okay, that I'm feeling this way but this is just how I'm feeling right now. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So sometimes that action is really saying no, setting boundaries. I can't do that. Well, why you have time. Yep. I sure do. Right. And you know, that takes a lot of trust for yourself. Mm -hmm. And when I don't feel like I have a lot of support in the world, it's really hard to go back in and trust my own voice. So show up and just let yourself find your way rather than looking for filling everybody else's mind. right it's funny how you took those words action wisdom and excellence and you basically voiced what i'm really trying to say because action does not have to always be me seeing you do something you're right and wisdom is definitely being wise enough to know when not to say when not to do or this is not my time and for me excellence is always within we, I don't worry about what other people think about me. I have to be the best me that I can be. Yeah. And I always try to share that with my students. It's about you being the best you that you can be. You cannot compare yourself to other people. And it's, it's easier said than done because we live in a socially learned society, right? So right. So have to do that mindfulness and be intentional and keep going back in because we're going to be triggered. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's got to be renewed. It's constantly renewed because we're in society. Sure. We're not isolated. We're in society. And I think you mentioned earlier about the team. We're in a team. It's always team, team, team. Even though they say we're individuals, but we're constantly comparing our individual to the team. Yeah. But yeah. And then I identify myself as that because you, and I don't mean you, but like the world mm -hmm. out there has identified me as that. Yes. So and I incorporate that. I have to go back in and start to say, hey, is, is that who I am? Um, maybe I fit into that category, but maybe I'm not fully that. Right. And that's okay. So wisdom, action, and excellence is about showing up for yourself. And it vicariously bleeds out into those around you, which bleeds out further. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. We didn't even but talk about this, Adrian. Look at and people, see, people don't realize that you don't have to be well-known or famous or anything to be a woman of awe, to be a person of awe. Mm, and that's really what I'm trying to do with this podcast is to just let people know 
just be you. Being you is excellent. Yeah. I mean, look how many lives you touch, just being you. Yeah. And that's really what I'm trying to showcase here. Yeah. People being themselves, but in being themselves, they're helping so many other people. And look, there might be listeners now that are thinking, okay, but if you only knew what I did, because that's what happens often in my, in my therapy sessions is, okay, so that's a great way to be, but I've already screwed that up and I don't know how to go from there to here. Mm -hmm. And the truth is we got to let go of the shame because you're a product of your environment. You made choices in that moment that good, bad, or indifferent were the choices that you made. Yes. Guilty of those choices. Sure. Are you a bad person because of those choices? That's the shame storm. Mm -hmm. So we have to allow ourselves to heal and recover. I call, I say my clients are in recovery. I'm in recovery. It's a constant recovery of shame and recovery of old beliefs. I'm recovering from the way I used to be or think. Yes. Now I'm moving forward into this new way, as you say, of excellence that is mine. Yes, exactly. I love, oh my, I could just sit here and listen to you all day. This has been wonderful. You are just a fount of wisdom, whether you realize it or not. But thank you so much, Mary and Corb, for being here with us today. If someone feels that they might want to reach out to you for assistance or just some advice or whatever, how can they do that? Sure. The best way would go be to go on psychologytoday.com. And you can put in the little search there, um, CORB Counseling, K-O-R-B. And you can read a little bit about me and and the group. And um, I'll be adding more groups now that we're starting to open back up. Yes. Uh, And look, if I can't be helpful to you because, you know, my caseload gets full, uh, you know, I might have a resource for you. So there's an email on there. You can email me and I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions that people might have. Okay. Thank you so very much. And maybe I'll have you back on because you do have so much to share with us. Well, maybe we can talk about a different topic, but that would be lovely. I've just really yes. time. All right. Thank you, dear. It has All been right. a pleasure. I'll see you again. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you for joining me on the Women of Awe Action, Wisdom, and Excellence podcast. If you are a woman of action or know of one who you think would be a good fit for the podcast, please contact me via email, womenofawe at adriandillard.com, womenofawe, A-W-E, at adrian, A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E, dillard, D-I-L-L-A-R-D, dot com. Or you can post to our Facebook page. Always remember to be the best you that you can be. That is the best path to excellence. I hope you can join us next week. Please don't forget to support us by leaving a review.